Hello, everybody, and welcome to the MN TV and your final word show after Liverpool demolished West Ham 5-1 at Anfield. My name's Dan Club. I will be your host for this one. I'm joined, I'm delighted to say, by Paul Machin and John Machin, nonetheless. Esteemed company to my right. Um, first time I've ever hosted a show with you, Paul, as well. This yeah. should be interesting. Not nerve-wracking whatsoever. No pressure Just whatsoever. No, We've no. got Chris producing and you hosting. It's all going on. All I'm saying is, lads, I'm watching. <laughs> it is all. <laughs> going on so if you hear any crackling in my voice just yeah um, just ignore that entirely um, Dan let's do this yeah Liverpool what a performance uh, what a way to shake the malaise of what was a terrible game on Sunday and um, Let's kick off, as I always do in these, with a quick discussion around the team news. Any major talking points, Paul, was it as expected? Obviously, we always see a little bit of rotation, but for me, Virgil van Dijk starting, there's something in that. Um, Harvey Elliott, right wing, of course. Dom Sabozlai with some pra- surprise minutes. And yeah. Darwin Nunes from the left. Yeah, so it was interesting. We were driving to the game. It was me, Chris and Chloe going... And I said, the, the, the start of 11 had preoccupied more of my thoughts than probably any had in recent times. And I was trying to work out, with, I, I had two schools of thought of what he was going to go for. Mm-hmm. Does he go for a very similar to the Leicester quarterfinals where he starts a few of the younger lads and just has a 45 minute chase. See if you can hold what, you, what you've got for the first half and then bring the big guns on. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was just say, okay, it's a big game, everyone plays and then everyone plays again. So you basically pick the same 11, two games back to back. And as it turns out, he did neither of those he went straight down the middle he did rotate but he rotated amongst the senior players so I um, I liked it I really did I was, and I was working out uh, as I was driving in to do this that's a team that had no Allison, mm-hmm. no Robertson, no Matip. Uh, Trent didn't start it either. You had no McAllister, no Thiago, no Bacetic, no uh, Diaz, Gavin Birch as well, no Gavin Birch, yeah. no Salah. Um, and the, but yet the team that they put out was was Bill. Yeah, and that, that speaks to the, the, the strength and depth we've managed to accumulate stroke Bill over the course of the summer, doesn't it, John? But were you shocked by anything at all? Because I think when you do look at Sir Bosley in particular, there's been some question marks about his form, and that's been kind of based or centred around the fact maybe he's tired, but yet he started this and obviously proves to be an inspired decision. Were you shocked? Yeah, no, I think I was quite surprised that he played. Yeah, I yeah. thought you might take him out the firing line for this one, uh, given we've got enough players there who could have played. Um, as it turned out, it was inspired, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, I was just pleased that he, he, he kept with Kelleher, Kwanzaa and Elliot. I think they all deserve to play yeah. after, you know, playing in all the other, you know, rounds of this competition. Um, so he kept the basis, he kept faith with that team yeah. to some extent, but also sort of had a look at what's been going wrong with that side, you know, and Diaz hasn't been in great form. Nunez playing in the middle has not worked properly, mm-hmm. you know, and suddenly he gave himself a chance to fiddle with that and play around with it, and it came off spectacularly well, didn't it? Yeah, it certainly did, yeah, we'll get into the game uh, in a moment because there's lots to get through, but yeah, it's a difficult one when you come into sort of this business end of competitions because you want to keep faith with the lads that have got you there, but also you know you're playing against better opposition and opposition who are likely to name stronger teams that's what West Ham did ultimately, and we almost came foul like, in that Leicester game that you mentioned because we went quite weak and that they were really strong can I on the Van Dyke point because you brought it up I think what's really interesting about that one is because I think ultimately let's be honest deep down we're all shit houses. so I think when we're looking at the 11 the clock can pick we're going well god don't pick him mm-hmm. because if he gets injured what, what's going to happen because the players don't think like that and I actually thought 
I, I wonder whether Virgil van Dijk even had a word with the manager and said, I'm the captain of the football club and it's a quarter final of a competition. You know, we've got a lot going on here. I want to play it because we have been very careful of his minutes and he's been, you know, he was quite public that he got overplayed after being injured. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I think it's set the tone nicely yeah. for him to go, no, this matters. This is a big game of football. It's so big that even I'm turning up for it. You know, it's like when Hulk, yeah, Hulk Hogan turned up for a, for a midweek, you know, wrestling event rather than a main event. You go, ooh, this is one I want to yeah. tune in for. No, yeah, absolutely. It doesn't do any harm to have Quanta playing alongside yeah. him either, does yeah. it? His age, learning from, yeah. from yeah. the guy. You know? There's no one better, is there? There's absolutely nobody better. Yeah, but I think you're right. I think even like the Simicast was so panicked at the minute about Simicast because of Robertson's absence, but yet still he plays. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to- talking about the team, I was more surprised by West Ham's team. I was really surprised that they left out Ward Prowse. He's and, the one. You yeah. know, and um, I thought to myself, you know, why are they? Playing a, a weaker side, well, Paquetta as well. Yeah, Paquetta, yeah. 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 I, I just thought that was a bit strange, but uh, you know, at the end of it, I came to the conclusion that he probably thought, "Why well, never win here anyway? It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. just pick a, I'll just get a pin and I'll pick eleven players. Get out there, lad. Tactics, give it to Bowen. He looked, yeah. at, he looked around all his team and looked them in the white of the eyes and went right, and then he looked at himself in the minute and went, "No, <laughs> it can't happen. We're at Anfield. It's not happening. That, Forget I mean, it." He, uh, his interview afterwards was. Basically, oh, well, it's Anfield, isn't it? Yeah, what <laughs> no, do you expect? <laughs> yeah. What did you expect to happen here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Liverpool, like, we, we, we touched on it a moment ago. Liverpool started the game like they meant to go on, absolutely in their faces, pressing the life out of them, forcing them into errors. The real intense Liverpool that we we dream of, I guess, really, Paul, we hark mm-hmm. back to about the best of Jurgen Klopp's sides. We just didn't give them an inch, did we? Whether West Ham did think they sort of chance, they quickly realised they were in for a difficult night's work. Yeah, it was, it was hyper-energetic, but actually, not in a way, not in the similar way to the Manchester United one. I think against United, I think it was a bit uncontained. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we blew ourselves out a little bit, whereas actually... We just we were just energetic. You know, we, we we just looked youthfully exuberant as opposed to looking like we were trying to empty the tank and destroy them. We were we were patient when we needed to be patient, but we were unpicking them. West Ham are just a weird side and I think they were actually almost the perfect opposition. I think there's a clutch of teams in the Premier League now that are that have aspirations of being they're not I think probably they'd like to be a top four team. Mm-hmm. And you know, on, on, with a, a nice sort of headwind behind them, and maybe some 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 faltering, you know, rivals, they might be able to be. But obviously, they're a European team, and they've now got a piece of European stuff. They've got some really good players, mm-hmm. and actually, they ended up being just right for us because I think if we so, if we'd had another, if we played David Moyes ten years ago, that would have been a real slog yeah. on the back of a number of slogs. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, I think yeah, they didn't play a strong, super ex- strong team, and they didn't play I very, expected a lot very well more from them. Though yeah. I mean, whatever team you put out, they've just won a European competition. Competition. Yeah, they're in the same competition as us in Europe this yeah. year and have qualified along yeah. with us. I thought they'd come and they'd want to show how you know they were now a good. Do you think we let them though? And they, yeah. they were terrible. Yeah, I, I don't think we did. I, no. I, and but yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely that. But also, like what you're saying there, like look at look at Kudus. Mm. He's a really good player, and in flashes you could see what a talent he is. But Simicast had him, yeah. like Simicast absolutely had him to the point where he was embarrassing him. Mm. He was flicking the ball over his head and running around him and doing all kinds of like mad things. He was beating him first yeah. to the balls, and he's and he's a young player, isn't he? And, and his head went. And then Jared Bowen's ploughing a sort of lonely field <laughs> on his own, leading the line. Um, I just thought, yeah, I think I think it was a combination of both. I agree. I think but there was probably you, more to come from them. But I, thought I, we I know we'll get on to the goals. But if you look at a couple of those goals. 
Oh, you know, one is Canate strolling yeah. through their team like they're not there. Another one is is Jones just going through the whole defence on his own. Mm. That that's not a team who are interested. No, in they were beat, they were beaten quite quickly, is what yeah. I'd say. I think they came and they wanted to put up a fight, but they quickly realised that they couldn't. They weren't a match was on the night absolutely, and they became quite passive quite quickly as well. Um, yeah, onto the goals. Th- I don't think we stopped. That's the thing. Whereas no. against United and lots of other teams, we start really you know, aggressively, and then we fade away. Yeah. We we get back to this pattern along the back line, all the, everything very, very slow and mm. dreary. Uh, and last yeah. night they didn't. They just kept going and going and Joe going. Quanta was a big part of that as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. superb again, Joe Quanta really was. I'm so, so impressed every time we see him, certainly in person last night, which I was lucky enough to do. Um, yeah, we need to get onto the goals because there's loads of them. So without further ado, um, Dom Sabozlai opens the scoring. He's developed quite a, a likening for this competition, hasn't he? I think mm. he quite enjoys it. But another absolutely stunning strike, like an arrow into the bottom corner. Um, yeah, stunning. And what's interesting about this is, Paul, because we have started to row back ever so slightly Onto Bosley, we got very excited yes. early, early season about him, and rightfully so because he's outstanding. The Gerald comparisons, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et but last couple of weeks, it's been a bit like, "Oh, hold your horses!" Yeah. But now he does this. We can't help ourselves, can we? <laughs> we just get excited when we see exciting things. Um, yeah, I went on TNT Sports and described them as being carved from marble like the gods or whatever. <laughs> getting excited? No, 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 absolutely fine. Um, no, he. Um, I thought Pep Landers handled it brilliantly in his pre-match press conference. He was asked about his like dipping form, and he just went, "He's 22," and and I think for me, I was like. Oh God, yeah. You know, as opposed to being, oh, he's he's in a bit of a sticky patch. This is the Hungarian captain. It's the it's the twenty two year old new signing mm-hmm. that we brought into the team. And as much as he's flourished so far, and he's had some great highlights. Um, he, he's going to go through things. I mean, that, that, that we were having this chat the other day, and you were saying how like he's, he's got hungry to the Euros. Yeah, he's dragged his his country yeah. as a captain to the finals. He's had that going on all the time. He started as a new club in a new country. You know, that's a lot. And he shone for a while. And inevitably, he would fall off a little bit, yeah. you know. But last night, he, he was back. In fact, I watched him very closely to begin with. And in the first 15 minutes, his touch was terrible. <laughs> he was, you know, he just wasn't very good. Mm. And then suddenly it clicked. Well, if you and I the think goal. the goal helped. Yeah. And then by the start of the second half, he's like a god again. He's, yeah. You know, he's passing outside of his foot, you know, 30 yards. and yeah. Yeah, it's it's the um, it's that shot. Honestly, if if I would I would recommend anyone watching or listening. Obviously, next time you go to Anfield, get in early and watch the shooting practice when he's doing it because it's ridiculous. I feel I, I haven't been a goalkeeper, and one of the worst parts of being a goalkeeper warming up for an eleven-a-side match is lads having just pepper in your goal yeah, with yeah. shots. He's one where you like you go, you'd be like, "What are you doing, mate? What are you doing, you dickhead? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on your team. What's the point? What's the point of doing that to yeah, you? Yeah. You know what I mean? You're hitting it so hard. It's just like stupid. Do you want to hurt me? Mm-hmm. And um, because that's how that's what he's like. And I think there's something too what he's got in his locker is almost he's, his form slipped and I think that is a bit of fatigue of you know form or whatever but he's he still got the shot so it's a bit like being bad form but just score a few goals every now and again and that will that will be absolutely fine to sort of keep you ticking over it's the opposite of Darwin Nunes in, in, in many respects yeah absolutely yeah and Liverpool could have been further clear by half time Cody Gakpo has probably the biggest chance of what remained in the first half um, missed it left the keeper flat footed but didn't find the target second half much of the same really for Liverpool no changes at half time but we were right at them they became even more passive really I think West Ham ever got a foothold in the game first 
first half. They might have had moments here and there, but they really materialised in 25 the second half. They never got a sniff. There's a few spells when we, I think we're just one up and they're sort of getting towards the edge of our penalty area. Mm. Ben Rama gets close. I think he gets in the box once or twice. And there's a little part of you goes, is this anxiety I'm feeling? A touch, but like nothing, nothing substantial. But you're right. Once, just once we got be, through that, just before we scored the second goal, they had a little spell, a moment where yeah. they, they they thought, oh, we better attack, I suppose, <laughs> and they had a little go. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's um, that's the moment I thought, oh, hang on a minute, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then suddenly we're, we're two two nil up, and you think, oh no, it's all right. We are, <laughs> and another brilliantly worked goal actually is Darwin Nunes um, into Curtis Jones, and there's a lot going on here. Nunes obviously from the left provides the assist, but the finish by Jones, um, Paul, is right at the top. And it's not just a finish actually, because that's part of it. Very tight angle, of course. He looks up and sees there's nobody with him, so I think well, I may as well go by myself. But it's that run, it's the run, the willingness to run beyond the attack yeah. that says a lot. I I saw a great uh, tweet last night from uh, Dave Hendrick saying, like, all the people who slaughtered Curtis Jones, let your praise be as loud as your, you know, your, as your criti- criti- criticism was. And then he might have called them twats. Um, but <laughs> but that's kind of by the by. Um, he, um, his off-criticism is that he lingers on the ball too much. I think Klopp was talking about it a bit, uh, and maybe Pep as well. It's about, about, like, the thing about Curtis is, yeah, I think, I think it was Klopp post-match, yeah. wasn't it? He was saying how he sometimes he forgets almost to to go and speed the game up mm-hmm. and um, I get it because I think he's do, he does his Genie Wijnaldum impression where he's very robust and he holds on to the ball and you know he's great at maintaining possession and bringing other people in but then we forget sometimes that he does love getting in the box yes. he does love a goal as well and that was a great example of that that's something Gravenberch hasn't quite got the hang of yet of finding the balance between being a really solid central midfielder mm-hmm. and linking things and then choosing your moments to go and impact it in the final third yeah. the first goal was, was, was I mean I, I began to think that he was being told to play yeah. the way he was because Absolutely. he was so consistently you know just robust and holding the ball and not letting it go and I thought, yeah, he's been told to play Ginny Van Alden and all the people who are criticising him well it's not his fault mm. and yet Last night he went back to the way he was when we first saw him getting into the team. Yeah. You know when he scored a couple of good goals. You know he he looked like a a talent going forward, yeah. and suddenly last night there he was again. I mean he started that move as well. It wasn't just that he finished it. Mm. He started it yeah. in like in on the halfway line, didn't he? Collecting it and delivering it to to Nunez, and then going for the one one two with him. Yeah. And you know the goal. I mean, it's very Stevie Iway like goal at the near post. Mm. Uh, it's not the kind of goal you normally would score from that position. Um, you'd expect the goalie to cover it, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, but uh, I think um, probably the the goalie was as concerned about who else was coming into yeah, the box yeah. as Curtis he was. had one eye on and that Curtis looked and saw there was no one yeah yeah. I <laughs> thought it was, was I thought it was superb yeah and it's interesting how Klopp did raise the point about him sort of lingering dwelling on the ball if you like but it's so, I was speaking to Chris actually earlier on this morning about this and I've been fascinated by the rise of Curtis Jones in so much as he's at the tail of his game since he's become sort of a regular first teamer because we both alluded we all alluded to it there in some, he, during the academy days he was the guy getting the ball and he'll make something happen he was get it to Curtis and let's just see he's had to change and it's such a difficult change to make that to go from being the star the standout person who everyone looks to in the side to just being another cog in a wheel essentially but last night he struck the perfect balance of being able to do all the the discipline stuff whilst also making an impact as well and that's what you want it's interesting that he's been scoring goals for England under 21 he's been playing his normal game for them it's only playing for Liverpool's first team that he's sort of 
t- dampened down. Yeah. I think there's yeah. a thing as well. Uh, Ryan Babble's a bit like this, where you've got a skill, you've got something you're very good at, and if you're trying to prove how good you are, mm. you often you'll do the thing that you're really good at to let everyone know yes. it. And you know, and he, he is very good at shielding the ball. He's very good under pressure at rolling people, mm. and, and you know, and just yeah, just not, it's not quite embarrassing, but it's it's it's, it's borderline showboaty where you're like, come and get the ball off me, you can't get the ball off me. So I think there is a little bit of that sometimes where if you feel like you're trying to make a point and you're trying to prove things, mm-hmm. you go with your strongest asset yeah. almost. It's a bit like Sobberslai's taking shots. You yeah. know, it's like... We you shouldn't forget though, he's now got Gravenberg after his best. Exactly. exactly. And he can't afford to just be that guy who holds onto the ball. But that was what last night was, was that was his opportunity to get back in the team. Mm-hmm. Gravenberg just picked up an injury, he's out. So there you go, Curtis, what can you do? And yeah, no, yeah. I thought he they're, took it really they're well. dovetailing those two at that because Curtis had the injury in the suspension earlier on the season and Gravenberch came and took it and now it's Curtis Jones's chance and he's done likewise for me. Um, the changes came then when it was 2-0. Uh, Trent comes on for Wataru, who I just want to touch on actually because I thought he was excellent, Paul. Yeah, he was. Um, and again, I've said it now, I think there's only one game and I couldn't even tell you what it was at this point where I've not thought every performance was his best yes. game. This was another one. I think this now was definitively his best performance for us. And I thought it was the perfect game because we had lots of like lads who wanted the ball and you know, lots of energy around him. So he just got to go and be physical. And it's West Ham, you know, they're, they're a bunch of big lads and they've still got a little bit of that like old school Moyes, old school West Hamness mm-hmm. to them where they like they love a little bit of a physical battle. You know, they had um, Edson Alvarez or whatever. Yes. In the, um, and Thomas Uchek in, well, yeah. in, the, in the middle so yeah and he, he relished it and actually he, he just got to kind of keep it simple as well which I thought was I thought was great and my critique of him I think when you play teams where you've got loads and loads of the ball and you need to be super precise and you're playing the best teams I'm not sure he's precise enough a footballer but actually weirdly with Quanta behind him almost bypassing him with his passes it, 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 it meant he had less of that to do so he just got to go and play to his strength or he was just it was a really dominant DM performance yeah it was it was a proper one yeah. and Quantity used to the ball never ceases to amaze me honestly god he's outstanding um, Canate comes on for Virgil no major shocks there which sees Quanta actually switch to the left side of centre back role which well, is I want to make a point on this go on. so look at our back our starting back four and our finishing back four mm-hmm. that's wild like everyone we either sub everyone or everyone ended up in a Move. different position nobody finished the game where they started the game you either ended on the bench or in a different position in the back four Joe Gomez probably being the prime example yeah well they switched immediately and then obviously Bradley comes on not long after for Simicast which means that switch makes even more sense because you don't really want Quantum and Bradley next to each other I guess on the same side but yeah you are right and then obviously Mohamed Salah comes on for Sabozlai as well Um, Liverpool not long after that make it 3-0 and Idibu Kanata actually who inspires this goal does his best Joel Massif impression John you touched (laughs) on it earlier just goes in a bit of a lung busting run gets a little bit of good fortune sort of the halfway a couple of bits of good fortune he he sees the space and he strides into it like he's seen paradise he's stopping though doesn't he he gets going like it does yeah Yeah. and um, it it was it was uh, it deserved a finish didn't it you know and it went to Gakpo and um, yeah I mean he's got a hell of a shot on him as well as supposedly and um, it was a brilliant shot again right in the corner it was a very Fernando Torres finish that I haven't seen many Liverpool strikers like, it's not something Bobby Firmino would do no. regularly so it's been a number of years since we've had someone who just strikes it really cleanly low and hard and it was because okay, he's got that sort of gliding technique you know he's not in his all round games nothing like Fernando Torres but it was when you go back and you watch Torres' highlight reel that's it's, it's littered with goals now, just on the edge of the penalty area 
bangs low, smooth, hard into the bottom corner. Yeah, great finish. It was, and I think just on him, I'll stick with you in it because he, he wasn't having his best tonight. To mention the chance he missed earlier on, and there's a couple Gap, of times, Gap, Gap, yeah, a couple of touches when I mean, he was hardly well. in the game at all for half an hour. The no, first but, half hour, he was hardly he hardly touched the ball. Nope. Uh, and I was thinking, what the hell is he doing? He really needs to step up because yeah. he, you know he's fighting for a place here. And um, and then suddenly, you know, he does. You know. Well, yeah, much needed goal in that instance, isn't it? A bit of confidence boost for him potentially as well. And I'm made yeah. up because we need, whilst Nunes isn't banging form, I think it's fair to say, well, we, we need people. Got Jota to sl- yeah. come in and... People have to be knocking at the door, don't they? Uh, Liverpool do concede. I think it's West Ham's first shot on target, I think I might say. If not, maybe the second potentially. Yeah, I think but... they had two shots in the whole game. Yeah, one on target. really tame. Um, not much to sort of dwell on, I don't think, from a, a defensive point of view. Quanta gets tight enough, gets a little bit of misfortune, I think, tries to clear. Cannon's back off Bowen and ultimately it's actually quite a good finish yeah look it's one of them I think you know you could probably do a bit more you know it's a, it's a, it's a young player obviously in Quanta I think he does the right thing because he gets himself between man and goal mm-hmm. there's a thing there where you're getting a foot race with Jared Bowen and you're going to be in a little bit of trouble whereas actually does all the right things and yeah he cuts inside he, he bobbles runs, a little he runs bit across him doesn't he and yeah. he, he lets him go so he can get into position he obviously thinking I'll, I'll get goal side of him yeah and he does, then it just didn't come off because yeah. Bowen just took the ball off. Yeah. I mean, I think earlier, you, I, I, when I watch back the highlights, Harvey lets the guy make that pass straight through. That's that's where the problem started, not with Kwanzaa, really. It started by letting the, I think it was Johnson on the left, yes. put the ball through. Uh, Harvey just lets him go, you know, and lets him make the pass. And then Kwanzaa does, does his best in the circumstances and is really unlucky. Yeah. Uh, or or maybe it's just that Jared Bowen is that good that you know he, he pulls it back onto his un you know his unfavoured foot mm. and whacks it in. Yeah, yeah, it's a good finish. Keller's got very little chance for me. Um, Mo- Moisey's tactics suddenly came up. Yeah, yeah. suddenly for about thirty <laughs> seconds, and he went back to normal service being resumed moments later. It could have been more um, moments after that. Darwin Nunes does everything but score, and that could be said about his game in general potentially. If we had a decent night, apart from hitting the back and it hits the post in this instance, and Salah. Somehow conspires not to score the rebound. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing there. That was one of them where it kind of Salah knew he'd missed before the entire entirety of my side of the cop because because of depth perception and the angle. He had no idea. I just presumed it was just going to nestle roughly in the bottom corner. But I was like, his body language told the story the second he made contact with it. So we were like, oh, and he's already going, ah, whatever. And then go, oh, 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 yeah, he's missed. Okay, Sam. Darwin Nunes, I felt, um, yeah, I felt really sorry for him. Uh, you know, it was one of those games where we were, we were that good and we scored that many goals that they were just trying to like give him one, which is always a really awkward side kind of situation. I can't think of loads of examples where that ends up working. Moreover, you pass up the opportunity no, to to score a few more anyway. goals because you're being a bit too much. Um, but yeah, all all but the goal. The one that he hits the post in is just brilliant. You know, it's a, it's a great cut in. He curls the ball, does everything right. Um, and he's a little bit unlucky with that, but and there was a, there was just a few random ones as one where he, he nearly gets on the end of a sort of cross cross shot mm-hmm. type situation, yeah. maybe from Trent. It was Trent, yeah, yeah. Um, and he ends up like on 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 his arse right in the middle of the six yard box. But I, I thought he, he worked really hard for the team. I think Carragher gave him man of the match, um, which I don't agree with. But um, no. I thought in terms of it's sorry, in terms of his all round performance, that's the best performance he's had for us in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting that we've chosen to do that because he might just need to feel like he's contributing towards the team. Because if you're playing in number nine and you're not playing very well and you're not scoring, you're actually not doing it. There's nothing really to hang your hat on, but at least he can go, well, I, I had a, a significant role to play in that one. Yeah. 
No, I just think moving him to the left was a, a success, wasn't it? Yeah. I thought he played very, very. He played better than Diaz has played there for a, you know for a while, uh, and um, I, I think you know that might well be it's a Darwin's agents. Yeah, <laughs> might be something be that they want to stick with playing yeah. him on the left. For no, a it's interesting. And, and it's... Gakpo was less successful, I think. I'm not sure whether he knew whether whether he was playing a false nine or a proper nine. Yeah, we've had a little bit of that with Gakpo, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, well, it, I, my issue with the Gakpo stuff, and I, I, I don't know if it was on the podcast I said this this week, but I think when you've got Jota, Jota on the left, Gakpo on the nine, it makes more sense because you've got a guy who naturally wants to get in the box, whereas Diaz doesn't. Mm-hmm. So if you've got two, it's like, and then with Salah, you've got three guys who all want to do the best work outside of the 18-yard box, whereas actually Darwin does want to get in those situations so I don't think it suits him in certain circumstances because he's not he's not great from a, a still standing position and when you play the best teams you, you get a lot of the ball in those kind of areas whereas actually if he's getting it on the charge and he's using his pace and he's stretching defences you know we, we you could do worse than use him in those those kind of ways and yeah Gapo kind of I, I just thought he found his found his footing as the game wore on really yeah. he can do both um, and as evidenced by him by him scoring his goal um, I, I think I just thought as much as it was a weird front three I thought the overall thing just felt like it functioned better mm. it felt like I understood what they were trying to do a little bit better than rather than is your number nine you're not getting you're not creating any chances and he's not taking the ones that he's been given everything kind of falls down when you build it around one guy mm. whereas that one felt a bit more classic Klopp Liverpool I yeah. thought last night yeah I mean, that's fair enough and even when Diaz comes on it's interesting that Nunes stays left at that moment as well because mm. it felt certain that Diaz would obviously shift over yeah. there but I, I kept an eye on him as he entered the pitch and he literally pointed to Nunes but centrally just to say I'm staying through Why the middle do you think they did that? I think it's just a Nunes thing as opposed to a Diaz thing. I think it's you've, you've put Nunes over there. He's enjoying a relative amount of success on the night. Don't overcomplicate matters and almost knock his confidence by saying, like, you're going back central now. I don't see it as being a a grand plan to get Diaz central at any point necessarily. I yeah. think it's more for Nunes' sake, personally. My thing is, I think there's a slight sort of thread underneath this where with Arsenal at the weekend it just gives Arteta something else to think Maybe. about you know it's just one other thing where you can imagine Arteta going what's what's he doing there what's, why, why, why is he so we, I think they'll think now there's every chance that Nunes starts left hand side of the weekend where it's, it's quite likely that Diaz will just come yeah. back in but it gives them something else to, to worry about absolutely yeah, certainly minutes based it would suggest that Diaz will come back in and be on the left but you're right it's a, it's a potential sort of span of in their works um, but on Nunes yeah I think overall he's pretty good he had one decent left foot strike as well which was tipped over he's quite unfortunate there but I think what the left allows him to do is it allows him to showcase that work rate as well because a couple of times he works back yeah. and wins the ball and, back and the fact that he can pass a ball yes you know, I mean the pass yeah. back to Kertis um, for his second yeah. goal as evidence, um, yeah. you know he's uh, he's got an eye for the other players around him. Yeah. People do the defenders worry about him as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you, you know that he's quick. He's not the most technically gifted. He's not the most skillful. And actually, what I thought it did as well. Simicast got up really well and then ultimately Gomez got up really well as well down that side because it's not Diaz well, I think there's a little bit with jo- Diaz Joe, when you give him Joe the ball Joe was a bit like Messi at one point at the yeah, end yeah. Go oh god yeah, yeah. little goldies but, but, but I think when you give D- you got Diaz there he's so good at taking people on he wants to take people on the, I think we a, little, a few too many times we go go on then mate will you go and create something for us whereas Nunes is just a little bit more functional mm. I think it's easier to understand because he's going to go he'll go he'll go outside every now and again he'll 
you know he's going to cut in and have the shot, but you need to get up and give him support because he's not a, a one-man band over there, which Diaz can be. Yeah, he definitely can be, yeah. Um, Mo Salah does find a backline at moments later, and this comes from a Trent Alexander-Arnold assist, despite him essentially slipping over as he struck it. It's a brilliant pass, and Trent's passing range, yet again in that midfield position, just continues to amaze. But for me, Paul, on this, moreover, it's just nice for Salah because it's very trademark Mohamed Salah goal, bearing down on yeah, the cop, yeah. bearing down on the goalkeeper. We've seen him do this quite a lot, but he isn't enjoying his finest moment of form, I think it's fair to say. But to have a moment and something that he knows so well can only be a positive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just inevitable, wasn't it? The second he got played through, having missed the one already, you think, oh, this is just this is just a goal. It was an archetypal Mo well, Salah finish. Anyone really. else may well have had trouble after that miss. It's been in their heads and, you know, suddenly having another chance might have been a problem for yeah. them, but... You know, it's Mo Salah just you know, is a professional, yeah. professional and a brilliant footballer. Yeah, just shrugs it, shrugs off the other one and goes through. Yeah, Jamie Redknapp described it as like being similar to his Man United goal in the title winning season. You know, mm. albeit it's Allison who slips and plays it over the top, but he had those vibes to it. Just picks up the right position. You can see he's like he's comfortably on side. He's in our half when he sets off, but he's found space between the defenders and actually behind in behind the right centre half or whoever it is at the back at that time. And he's got a clear path to goal. And the guy kind of spoke to what a mess West Ham were by that stage. I mean, imagine a David beating a David Moyes side that way. Yeah. you know what I mean, like. Absolutely unthinkable um, from our sort of knowledge of, of, of playing against them over the years. But um, no, I thought it was great. I thought it was it was one of them, like the Sabozla thing, just keep scoring. You know, your formal your formal return at some point. He's only got a couple more games left really before he goes off to uh, to Afcon as well. So if he can just rack his tally up a little bit more, more's the better. Happy days. Yeah, on a night packed full of wonderful goals, uh, Curtis Jones got a contender for best one potentially. Um, but you spoke about West Ham being a mess. They just parted for this one. Jones picked it up. Um, I think it was inside our, our half. If not, it was just inside theirs. And just went for it, essentially, John. Just never stopped. And I think he thought, okay, you're just going to allow me to keep running. But for me, it was a boss goal full stop. But it's the little dummy before he finishes it. He goes and then everyone's yeah, yeah. all faint and he hits final, it. Quality. The final little flourish, yeah. yeah. It was. A, I mean, it, it, everyone would love to score that goal when they, you know, just waltzing past defender after defender and then cutting it back into the net. But if you're a West Ham support you just look at that defence <laughs> where are they essentially yeah, yeah. Who, could yeah. not someone put the foot in there somewhere yeah I mean, it didn't matter if it was a penalty even because you know you, you were already 4-1 down yeah. who cares you know yeah. it reminded but, me a bit of um, Gerard's goal against Sheffield Wednesday back in the day that thing of you know particularly great. that little the little shimmy kind of stuff it's great and it you see it with Curtis. I mean, she got the two goals. Who was it against last season? Leicester. Is it away? I can't remember. Whatever the game is, the back end of last season, he gets a he gets a couple, and he um, and you're thinking, go on, go on, build from that because that's the issue. If our eight, you need to score goals, and Harvey Elliott doesn't score enough goals, and Curtis Jones doesn't score enough goles, and you can see Sabozla's got it, grabbing Birch is off the mark already, and um, you know, again, that's a it's. I agree. The West Ham defenders have just gone ah, whatever. No, I'm not picking up a. Or a, or a red card here you know there's, there's other fish to fry after yeah. fans were already uh, waiting on the, the platform at Lime Street um, by the time that went in but um, if the manager doesn't care why should I yeah yeah, yeah, yeah no absolutely, absolutely. but he um, no I, I just thought it was a great moment for him and actually again to have his moments in front of the cop and, and to kind of st stand there because obviously you know we've got the whole like the scouser in our team thing with, with Trent and I, I fine it's Trent's song until, until he's got a better one I, you know I'm not I'm not having us getting rid of any more songs off the cop for now but um, 
it'd be nice for him to continue down that way. He doesn't need to be a superstar for Liverpool. It'd be nice if he was, and I think he's got the talent. He's got the raw attributes. You know, he's over six foot. He's got good pace. He's got great control. He's got a good shot on him. He, he's physically strong and holding the ball. I'm not sure what he lacks, and it might only just be a psychological thing, and that's an unmeasurable from it from the, from the stands certainly. Mm. Um, but well, I love that, it. That, I have that so much more pride to see Scousers do about needing to be faster. You know, make the game faster. That that's a really telling one, I think. But yeah. that if he can impose himself in that way, he's going to be phenomenal. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting how Klopp did pick up on that as well because that's been the stick to beat Curtis Jones with ever since he arrived in the first team scene, essentially. So that was an interesting one. But just on the likes of Curtis Jones, Harvey Elliott, Joel Quanta, Joe Gomez, and Cody Gakpo, they all come into this conversation really in one way or another. They all took the chance essentially last night because they were all new into the starting eleven. Do you think any of them, Paul, have really? I mean, Curtis Jones is probably the standout when it comes to this. But do you think any of them have really put the hand up for selection when it comes to the Arsenal game? I mean, it's difficult for Harvey Elliott because I mentioned this to Chris earlier his two positions are Mohamed Salah's and Dom Sabozlai so it's nigh on impossible for them to sort of drop out would you say? Well it's interesting because yeah look there's no there's no chance that Harvey Elliott starts in place of Mohamed Salah against Arsenal it's just not going to happen but it is interesting that Salah's position has changed this season I'm probably the, I'm probably the back end of last certainly as well where he's not he's not the flying winger anymore because the big criticism of Harvey Elliott with him being the understudy to Mo Salah was his pace and Elliott actually I think he's he's improved his pace I don't know how possible that actually is he's certainly quicker Mm -hmm. but he's not fast you know he's not electric he's not the kind of guy who's going to accelerate away from people like Ben Doak's got that he's got that raw pace Harvey hasn't got that but Salah doesn't use that pace in, in, that, in that role anymore for us and you can even see it last weekend you know the time when the ball gets played over to him and three or four years ago Salah's racing onto that and he, even he's not there anymore so the new Mohamed Salah sort of role for what it, whatever you want to call it Elliot probably suits that actually better than he would have done three years ago. So you can see him flourishing that. It's that it's that role where you play. He, he will make the pitch big. He will go and stand on the touchline. And that's certainly how he started the game against West Ham, which is great because it just stretches their defence a little bit. But actually with Harvey, he wants to just get on the ball. He wants to pick up pockets of space. He wants to make things happen. And he's got the eye for goal. He nearly scored a, he didn't score a screamer in the first half. I was kind of right behind it. Obviously opposite end of the pitch. And it just goes wide of the right top hand, top hand corner. I... <laughs> I, there's a big question whether that's his best position or the or the attacking eight. Mm-hmm. I just think we need to find a way to get him in the team at the moment. And look, Dom Sabozlai scored a great goal, so I think he's probably just he's at the still, right uh, moment to come back to a little semblance of form. But he's still, he's still got great. age on his side, hasn't he? I think yeah, yeah. you know we've got a couple of years before we need to definitely you know find his position. But um, he, he gets better and better every time I see him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm always amazed by his touch. I mean, the, the beauty of him. When he plays out on the on the wing, is that if you push the ball to him, it's instantly in control. Yeah, all the time, not just once or twice. Never ever out of his control, yeah. uh, and from that he's able to jockey past people, and he does have a bit of pace over a few yards. And he he can do loads of damage. It's his it's it's the all round stuff as well. He, he tackles back brilliantly and again that was a critique of him playing in the midfield was does he do enough cover we had Trent at right yeah. back etc etc yeah he does he, he's one of them I think some players particularly like flair players you see it you can train them into it and you can have like a hot period where they're under loads of instruction and they know the job and they'll, and they'll do it 
but like when the, the chips are down and it's and you're tired and it's hard it's not f- second nature to them mm-hmm. Harvey Elliott it is and the amount of times he'll just go back and, and be dogged and, and, and go and not necessarily like go and put a big slide in and come away with the ball but he'll go and get a toe on it he'll knock it away or he'll win throw-ins or he'll do it he'll disrupt the play mm-hmm. brilliantly um, yeah it, it, it's one of them if he had another half a yard of pace and he was you know six inches taller you'd be talking about you know where, where can he go with that he's going to have to continue to work harder than, than everyone else probably for the rest of his career because of those things yeah. but right now yeah I think he's been I think he's our he's our 12th man at the moment yes. but the, the beauty is when we won the title Oxley chamberlain was our 12th man but he was never going to be more than that because obviously post injuries he, he had a ceiling mm-hmm. I don't know how good Elliot can be, but if you told me he was starting against Arsenal, I'd be—I honestly would not care. I think if you look at his ability to pass the ball, you know those those lovely one-twos he plays in his positional sense. You know, you're never going to be unhappy about him being in the team, and and that speaks just how impressive he's been. Certainly, start of last season and what he's done so far this. um, Very technically proficient football, very intelligent football as well, and one who we can never doubt his work rate with because he just works his socks off every time. He's a fan. Having fans of the team in the team makes a huge difference. There's a reason why you know, like the Jay Spearings and John Flanagan's and you know Ricky Lambert and all these guys, you'd get more, you get a level above. Uh, these players just because they want to do it for the football club yeah, absolutely yeah I do want to have a quick conversation about Joe Gomez as well because I thought it was another really impressive night for him right back of course does this fast forward the conversation about Trent going into midfield permanently because obviously we've seen that when Trent comes on it still feels a little bit experimental when we do it because we haven't seen it in the biggest of games yet mm-hmm. obviously Saturday is probably the biggest of games yeah. given where we both are in the league and stuff yeah, like that given Martinelli on the left do you think it's time I do. Um, I think for the Arsenal game in particular, I look. We had we had good success. We obviously unveiled the inverted Trent in against against Arsenal at Anfield last season, um, and it ultimately worked well. You know, as the game wore on. But I think if I think if Alexis McAllister was fit, I don't. I think you would. I don't think you would. I think you persist with Trent. But I think Gomez's form has been so good, and I just think as much as Endo's actually make, makes this a more interesting conversation probably than it was two or three weeks ago. Trent's been playing more and more of it. He's the most cultured player who can play in that position that we've got. I do wonder whether this might be the game that they go I mean, for. I, interesting. I, I don't agree. Particularly, I think I love Joe Gomez. And I think he is playing out of his skin at the moment and is definitely worth a place. But for me, Trent controls games of football as an inverted player and not as a defensive midfield player. Mm. And, you know, I think if you stick him in, when I've seen him go into the DM role, his influence on the game is much, much less. Mm-hmm. And I think freeing him up is the the key to us beating football teams I think I think Curtis Jones is key to this I think if you start Curtis Jones then I think you can play Trent in that position whereas I think if you play Gravenberch I don't think I don't think you can we've seen that against Fulham didn't we and that's when his influence definitely did wane on the game he wasn't anywhere near as good and then we put him into an 8 of stroke 10 by the end of it and all of a sudden he was brilliant again so it's a really interesting conversation I I'm sort of in the middle still, but I am edging further and further towards maybe it is time for Trent to go in. What, what surprises me is how we solved our poor fullback problem where we conceded lots of goals mm. because of the, the, the way we played as fullback. And we can, 
we actually solved that by moving him out of being a fullback yeah, yeah. and left it blank. Yeah. It was crazy. No, no, it's absolutely insane. It's, it's a, the big question really is, you know, it, is the inverted thing actually right for us? Because we, we and Chris were having this conversation the other day. Liverpool, I don't think, have, have lost... We've lost like one game, I think, since we in the league Sorry, since we yeah. since we moved to that sort of system. But also, I've watched us shift formation lots in games of football well, in United, that time. He played, but he went back to playing wide. Mm. You know, Trent spent the whole of the first half on the right wing, yeah. with no influence whatsoever no. on the game. Yeah, it's nice yeah. to have the flexibility, I suppose, isn't it? Um, do you want to move on? So I want to touch on the atmosphere comments from Klopp because he himself raised it at the end of the game. Obviously, been a big talking point all week, yeah. thanks to Gary Neville. But you and Klopp brought it up this time. I think particularly behind him, where I was, you can speak otherwise was fine. Yeah. But I do wonder, Paul, on this whether. Is this man game from Jürgen a little bit? Because I thought the atmosphere was okay last night. Is he asking for more come Saturday? People have totally misunderstood what Klopp was saying. I think some of it's because if you're not at the game and you didn't see the moment, there's others where people have just read the quotes and it's actually how the quotes are being portrayed by Sky and BBC. They're saying Klopp was criticising the atmosphere against West Ham. And technically he was, if you're talking about it in a broader sense. Um, it's like saying, you, you know, yeah, I'm pointing west, whereas in reality I'm pointing somewhere between north and west. But if you just get a general sense, I'm pointing in that, in that half of the compass. Klopp had an argument with a section of the main stand during the game. And I know a lot, not a lot of people saw this, but I actually I, I no, I noticed it. There's a subsection that was kind of over his right hand shoulder. And, and it was when we got, we got a corner and I, I don't know exactly what the inciting incident was but what I guess is it was probably people going <laughs> or not or not cheering the right thing yeah. and he turned around and he was like, really animatedly shouting at this section of the crowd and then we got and then we, the corner was being about to be taken and he turned around and he like clapped and then went like you know like, like idiots and then got on with obviously coaching coaching yeah, yeah. the team the atmosphere <laughs> in, the, in the cop was great um, so that's what I, I can speak I to think, I think it's on, on the back of Gary Neville's comments that too yeah, yeah. That, you know again it's a story so Klopp says something suddenly it becomes big news you know? <laughs> I mean I think they are, you can't deny I for all the years I've watched a night game and a cup game will always have a better atmosphere yeah. than a, you know a West Saturday afternoon playing Luton or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it just inevitable. Yeah. You know. But to be honest, until they get the cop all standing, the atmosphere will always be up and down. Yeah. Mm. The cop is the key to the atmosphere in Anfield. Yeah. And I don't think the cop has necessarily been consistently very good for a few years, to be honest. It's up and down. Yeah. You know, and I sit in the middle and I can hear the, the Annie Road as often as I can hear the cop. Yeah. And I can hear the the, the little section over by the away supporters mm. as often as I can hear the cop. It's funny, your seat's <clears throat> always been that because I've always noticed that as a kid. Was I? But that's been historic. You had that seat now, all pretty much the vast majority of my of my life. You were in main stand before that, and I used to find myself tapping my toe away to the away fans. I knew more away chants than I knew our, our chants at times because it it would they were all away fans are always the noisy, aren't they? Yeah. But I haven't now spent over a decade on on the cop. It can be a bit mismatched. And look, there's a difference between where I'm sat which is like 203 and 305 or whatever or dead central back at the cop if you go there you you can't work out when people you can't understand why people are saying the atmosphere is crap because you sing constantly you stood up constantly and you sing constantly what I thought was interesting about Cop's comments I think he's been watching 
comic content about the atmosphere because he's referenced a few of the sort of touch points and i think it's that idea of because uh, he referenced the whole like if you're not asked don't give your tickets yes. up if you, if you don't want to sing give your tickets up that's been a, a, a lot of topic of conversation and that's what I thought was interesting about West Ham there was loads of new faces around me because it was a cup game but actually they were dead noisy they were all people who knew all the words there was a, it was three French lads who were a row behind me and just to my side and they were singing and making loads of noise from the from minute one and just shouting random stuff and being really into it there was another lad behind me who again was just really noisy singing constantly that's the the kind of thing you want and that's an interesting balance and again this comes down to the structure of the club and how tickets are divvied out but you get a lot you, you're getting more people who just want to go and watch who, yeah you get experience people, Anfield rather than go and be part people of the are experience. really appreciating the fact that they've got a ticket yeah you know. there's two but there's different worlds this is very you have to be very careful how you talk about this for for because I don't like tarring people with the same brush because there's there's season ticket holders who don't you know, oh, I'm dead noisy. You're not a singer, Dad. You know what I mean? Let's let's be honest. You know, it's, I don't know where to get it from. Um, <laughs> we won't. Um, but it's but like you know, also you sit in the upper Kenny, so it's not like it's a huge contributing really, contributing yeah. factor. There's lots of people who are scousers who've been going the game forever who aren't particularly noisy people. They just go and experience the game. There's people who are day trippers who are people who visit the city of Liverpool will want to take take in a game. You're not going to go to Goodison Park because why would you? Because you probably never heard of it. So you'll go and get it. Try and get a ticket to Anfield, and that'll be part of your holiday the experience same reason I've, I've been to Yankee Stadium I've been to watch the Mets play when I've been to New York I couldn't tell you anything about either of those teams but I've been there and watched them play a game and then you've got the people for whom it's their lifelong dream and ambition they'll go to Anfield once in their lives and they're going to go there and scream the lungs out and that's but they get tired of the same brush sometimes because they're not the people who are there every week I think a Klopp, what Klopp's point was was a brilliant point it's like if you're not feeling up for this game and you've got a ticket and you're going I'm going to get you know I'm going to leave with 10 minutes to go because I've got to catch a train I'm feeling a bit down I'm, I'm not a big singer well you know what I, I like the notion of just like if you've got a young friend or family member who's good for whom it's going to be the best thing they've ever Who done in their lives. somehow miraculously put on your list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The difficulty of switching your ticket to other people. Yeah. Is, yeah. And that's that's the one intelligent counter point I've seen on, on social media, apart from people just jumping on the bandwagon of Klopp said something, let's all kick off a Klopp for yeah. whatever reason. I think his sentiment's great. I couldn't take my son to the game yesterday, despite the fact that there was, would have been tickets floating around because it's just too hard to do that there's a guy and he turned up yesterday um, the guy who sits next to me two years ago when he couldn't make the game if he missed his train he'd just text me and go do you want me ticket and he'd forward it on to me and he never I was never on his friends and family um, he can't do that anymore and we're not close enough for me to have that to, to have that relationship where he can put he can do that so yeah, yeah it's hard to bring young fans in but if you can and you can't be asked to sing and be asked to be the person who's super singing and, and vocal and then one yeah, other point is that sometimes the difficulty of actually getting into the ground doesn't predispose people to singing their hearts out yeah. in the first 20 minutes because they're still moaning about how difficult it was for them to actually get through the turnstile you know yeah. Yeah. I think they really need to start addressing their electronic systems to stop queues forming before the kickoff still have pill tickets off us ringing now to complain <laughs> in the, our system's again, perfect they say could be Jürgen if he's watching um, <laughs> yeah one more point on the game itself then 29 shots for Liverpool 11 on target 67% p- percent possession 
possession to West Ham's two shots, one on target, which was, of course, the goal. This was dominant from the get-go. The best performance this season, Paul? I I said I think it was up there with the Aston Villa one, mm-hmm. um, and I enjoyed this more in so much as it was like last night, <laughs> so I remember it more clearly. Um, but it's a cup game, and it could have been a really tricky one. And I, what I enjoyed about it was, as I've said, we rotated. We had we've got injuries, and we rotated quite significantly, and we were still able to really comfortably beat West Ham in a game where you know they really could have gone for this. This could have been like a huge well, match. Quarter final, you think they would have had some kind of desire to yeah. you know this close to the final? You know, when well, you look at who's left in it, do you think? Well, look at the look at the Leicester game when the year we win it. Mm-hmm. Like that was a mega game of football. Yeah. Like the atmosphere was amazing. The 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 gnarl to it, you know, Jota giving the ear and all that, because effectively flicking the V's to the Leicester fans at the at the end of the game and all that. Um, it's a quarter final. It's it, it's big, and I know. We we do malign the league cup a little bit, and we were having the conversations on the podcast. I know the lads were having it on the match preview as well. Of well, it's Arsenal. Arsenal's always super important. I like the fact that we managed to do to pay you know enough respect to the fact that the Premier League's a, a real opportunity there. Yeah. Without going, we're too big to to you know to play in this competition. You're dead right. Look at the draw. You know, okay, we've got Fulham. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was inevitable we were going to play Fulham after the other the other week. Wasn't well, it? Hilarious <laughs> that we would we could have had Everton. If only they knew yeah, how to take penalties. Yeah, no, um, yeah. So no, I I I don't think we're good enough to be turning our nose up at any no. competition or silverware at the moment. You know, there's a world where if Liverpool can finish in the top four and, and win a League Cup, that's a, an infinitely better season than last year's was. That's a really good stepping stone towards you know building a, a new successful Liverpool team. So that for me was winning trophies the, is so important. It, it, it was the most to to go back to the question. It, that was the most. In, Enjoyable game at Anfield for 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 a few weeks. Yeah, and the draws panned out relatively nicely as well. I think it's fair to say yeah, it could have been worse. Um, let's put it that way. But yeah, perfect way to vent any frustrations from that Manchester United game, which could now be forgotten about and never spoken about again forever. <laughs> um, yeah, sound happy days. Perfect preparation going into Arsenal as well, which is also nice. Thank you, Paul. Thank mm-hmm. you, John. That was your final word show. Thank you so much for watching and indeed listening. Make sure to check out the fifty greatest signings, which will be coming your way because you're amazing over Christmas. Take it easy. <laughs> 